welcome back to the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. This is Stephanie, your host, and y'all just got back from Florida. This is why this episode is dropping a little later this week. And if you don't know, I'm from Cincinnati, and I just had a quick little kid-free getaway to Florida with my mom and brother and his girlfriend this past weekend to just kind of reset and recharge. And I was hoping for some like 75 and sunny weather, and we got like 50 and breezy. (laughs) But it was still nice to just carry on a conversation without being like interrupted a million times or getting called to wipe a butt. So I am grateful for that time, but we are back in the swing of things here. So today's episode, you guys, is about why marriage is hard. Like when people say marriage is hard, (laughs) this is why. And this is going to be a really, I hope, encouraging episode because it's more about, um, you know, just kind of shining a light on why it is actually really difficult. And it's really a lot of the little things that are really difficult and challenging. And it is the constant things that we have to do day in and day out that make it difficult. And I just think that in in the realm of social media, what do they say about our generation? They say we are the most connected generation, but also the loneliest. And I think that's because it's so easy to put on a facade, right? It's so easy for probably, honestly, somebody to look at social media for me and Justin and think we have a perfect marriage. We don't. We have a good marriage. We have a mostly a great marriage. Um, But (laughs) we've also been together for 15 years, you guys. It has not always been, you know, just like roses, right? Like we, I talk about, uh, I, I refer to two different episodes in this episode from episodes that I've done a couple months back or whatever. And one of those is competition in your marriage. I talk about, oh Lord, we are both firstborn children and very competitive and how that started to come out in our marriage. We would compete on who was doing what. And, you know, with the kids, we started to see it in our children. Like it was a, it was a big old deal. Okay. And we've kind of figured that out and how, and that episode talks through how we worked that out. And then another episode that is called being a united front when you don't always agree. And this is how to kind of come to general terms um, and agree on something when you're coming at something from two different sides. And I talk about that later in this episode. But the point of this episode really is to just kind of get everyone on common ground. Like everyone's marriage is hard, whether it's a great marriage or a good marriage or not a great marriage right now, right? Like it is hard and we're going to talk about why. And and my, my heart for this is really so that you guys feel like, okay, (laughs) we're not the only ones that struggle with this, or, oh, this is normal, or maybe this isn't normal, or, you know, whatever else. And so remember, this is just from my perspective. Good Lord, I am not a marriage expert. Have been with my husband, though, for 15 years now, and we have learned a lot, so I'm just sharing what I know with you. So first off, you guys, what we are not talking about in this episode when we're talking about why marriage is hard We are not talking about a relationship and or marriage that is abusive or is in constant infidelity. Like when people say marriage is hard, that is not what they're talking about. And we all know people or know of people maybe who are in a mild to extreme kind of abusive relationship, be it emotionally, uh, possibly physically, where one or both parties are both cheating and they will say, you know, yeah, relationships are really hard. (laughs) And though, obviously guys like that is hard. (laughs) Like obviously being in a, in a really toxic relationship is hard. 
but that's a different type of hard. That's not a normal hard, right? That's not, I don't even, that's just not what we're talking about today. Someone, you know, who comes back to their abuser time and time again, that's not what we're talking about today. That is a conversation possibly for a different episode. And that's also really freaking complicated. People like to simplify that, like, we'll just leave. <laughs> it's more complicated than that. And, and most of you probably know that. Or, you know, to have somebody who bounces from just horrible relationship to horrible relationship, that is also complicated. And so those kind of relationships are hard because that's not how it's meant to be. But that's not what we're talking about today, okay? That might be a different episode, like I said. What we are talking about today are mostly good-hearted, well-intentioned people who really love each other, i.e., right, for example, they don't show it through abuse and control and gaslighting or whatever else. So these people who love each other, who are in a serious committed relationship, be it marriage, like I said, or otherwise, and we're talking about what makes these relationships hard with well-intentioned, good-hearted people. Okay, so first, number one, the first thing that's hard is constantly learning how to love the other person well, and I want to give you guys an example and tell a story of a conversation that I was able to sit in on or have, I guess, with two people. And it was such an amazing conversation because both people really, really were very honest. They were very open. Not once did someone get up and storm out, even though this was a conversation of where both people wanted the other person to do something different. Hello, Justin. <laughs> I remember sitting through this conversation thinking, Mm, I don't know that Justin and I would have made it, <laughs> made it through this conversation without like one of us getting up and like being pissed off. Probably me. But anyways, so this conversation was just great. Um, both people were very honest. They, they were communicated really well and they got really vulnerable. And I'm going to share this with you because I feel like there was so much to learn. There's so much that I took out, out of it. And so basically two people, okay, husband, wife, and they both worked outside of the home the husband, though, worked a little bit, quote unquote, more. Um, he worked full time plus. She worked part time. And um, he worked also in a really physically demanding job. And he absolutely hated every, every freaking minute of it. He hated. Okay. And so she was home when he would come in in the evening or whatever after working. And what he would see when he got in and let me just say, he would come home like pretty stressed every day just because of the physical demands and just because he hated it, hated his job. And so he would come in and oftentimes she was there, but the kitchen, which was like kind of their focal point of the home was still a disaster. Like dishes piled up to the ceiling all over the counters, like their, their island was a little bit of a catch-all, you know, like it was just kind of a mess. Well, he didn't feel like he could come home and like just kind of relax because that was just a disaster. So he would put his stuff down, he'd head over to the sink and he would start doing the dishes because to him it like it needed to be done, right? Well, when he would come home and immediately go do that, it would kind of stress her out because she's like, hold on, can you just sit? Like, why don't we go, you know, on a walk or let's just go like hang out or whatever because she kind of felt guilty that he would come home and immediately start doing that. 
Um, and he felt like he couldn't relax until he did that. Okay. So it caused this tension and it caused this tension because you could probably already kind of see where this was going, but he really would have loved if before he got home, she would have cleaned the house. Okay. And not clean the house, clean that area. Now, side note, I just want to make this note because I think it's really, really important to add. He is not the kind of person that expected her to have like a perfectly clean house the second he came through the door and like dinner ready on the table. Okay. Like he helped with cleaning and you know, the house and whatever else. Okay. So if that's going through your mind or whatever, that he's like expecting her to do everything and that's not how it is. So move it along with those thoughts. Okay. But it was still hard for him. And you guys know this goodness. We've talked about decluttering here. Like when you walk in and your house is just a disaster, you got toys everywhere, Legos on the floor, you know, you just feel like it's hard to just relax and unwind when there's a million things calling your name. Okay. So here was the issue and here was the conversation really started. She absolutely hated to do the dishes and clean the kitchen, hated it, like loathed it. And so we're having this conversation around a table about how he was coming home kind of frustrated and, you know, she would ask him like, okay, well, what was wrong? And he would just say, well, nothing. Because he really didn't want to explain, you know, his stress at work and he really didn't feel like getting into an argument and asking her to like clean the kitchen, <laughs> you know, like even though that would really help his stress is if he came home to not a blown up kitchen, he didn't want to start an argument or make, you know, he knew that she worked also. So it was just started to be this tension between them. And I asked him, I said, Hey, okay. So if you came home and the dishes were done, would you feel better? And he was like, Oh my gosh. Like if you, and we're all talking here, right? If you have that area cleaned up, then I could literally just focus on like going on a walk together with you and doing all the things that you want to do, go walk our dogs, you know, whatever. But I just, I literally cannot relax when our kitchen looks like that. And her response was this, well, the living room is clean and the bathroom and the bedrooms were all clean. Like it's just the dishes in the kitchen, which I absolutely hate doing. And you know that. So, you know, seemingly we're at a crossroads, right? He would love the kitchen and the dishes done. She's doing everything but that because she absolutely hates that. But we kept talking here and the conversation kept getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And we started talking about how when she was younger, her parents would threaten them basically to clean things perfectly every day. And if anything wasn't picked up, it got thrown away. And through years of that, she was just ingrained to absolutely hate cleaning, specifically the dishes. And I'm telling you, when we talked, it was very obvious that it was like a pain point <laughs> for her. And you guys, this was really interesting. And listen, dishes might not be your thing. Cleaning might not be your issue. This, you know, we all have the same issues that only it just looks different from home to home. But this was really interesting to me because she would clean other areas, but leave that area. And so you guys are obviously missing parts of the combo here. This is actually like a five hour conversation. Not kidding. But we realized that he really didn't care much about the other rooms because, you know, they weren't really a focal point of the home. No one saw their bedroom or master math or whatever else. And she was really triggered by being asked to do the dishes in the kitchen. And so 
(laughs) What he really wanted to do was come home and to be able to go on a walk with her and go on a walk with the dogs or just relax on the couch, you know, together or whatever. So through this convo, we realized that her mindset around cleaning the kitchen needs to switch from this kind of mandatory chore that brought up a really, really strong feeling of hate, which sidebar, most of us don't love to clean, right? Some people absolutely love it. They make a career of it. Others absolutely loathe it, but most people are in between, right? Not our favorite, but we're kind of indifferent. We just got to get it done. But for her, we realized she was really kitchen and dishes adverse. And so through this conversation, we came to a couple different solutions and everyone just became more aware. He became more aware that, you know, she is cleaning other areas and whatever else, but she has work to do mindset wise on the kitchen area. And, you know, he agreed like that. Obviously, it's his mess, too. So he would work on, you know, putting his stuff away or whatever instead of leaving them out. And we also talked about setting up some nighttime and morning routines where they work on the kitchen together for maybe like 10 minutes each night because it seems to just be a catch all for both of them so that when she works on it during the day, it isn't so daggone overwhelming. And listen, we all have a place. (laughs) You know what I mean? We all have a place that's really overwhelming for us. It might be laundry for you. It might be the dishes. It might be the room that you just throw crap in and shut the door and hope no one, you know, goes in there thinking it's a bathroom on accident. Like I guessed. (laughs) We all have a place that feels really overwhelming for us, I feel like. And, and so she, they've, they, so anyways, they started to come up with a plan to be able to work on that a little bit together so that it's not so overwhelming when she tries to do it. And another disclaimer, you guys, he is under no impression she needs to have this whole house done every single day or the kitchen done every single day (laughs) or that it doesn't fall on him some days because it absolutely does. So again, that's not really what we're talking about here. This is just normal everyday conversations because we all have to pick up slack on both ends, right? Our husbands do, our wives do, and that's it. It's just how we make the world go around in our home. And so she realized that it's not totally normal to completely loathe something like the dishes. You know, maybe not enjoy them, sure. But she realized that there were some consistent experiences in her childhood that really turned her off to this specific area in her home. And she realized that she needs to work on that, right? So we talked about working to change her mindset in this area and that, you know, the dishes and cleaning the kitchen is no longer going to be a chore that has to be done before someone comes through in a rage (laughs) to like throw everything away to this is her home. This is their home, right? Like it's the focal point in their home and the dishes are what fed her family and Their home is their haven for when he gets home from a physically demanding job and when she gets home from her job, like a place to come home and relax and just be together. So little by little, she was finding ways to enjoy working on this area. And she was literally writing down (laughs) different things. We We were literally brainstorming, like, what can we do? For example, we talked about setting a time to start working on the kitchen, right? Like maybe 60 minutes before he gets home or something like that on the days that she's actually going to clean it. Again, it's not her responsibility 100% of the time. Anyways, 
And then maybe turning on her favorite music, right? Lighting her favorite candle and maybe pour a favorite drink just to make the experience a little bit better. And we talked about gratitude and creating this home for them. And by the way, this is actually my exact process. (laughs) I did when I hated laundry, hated it. I would slow down. I started listening to my favorite podcast before I was um, gonna do the laundry. I would pour a yummy drink. I got a detergent that I love the smell of. And when I sat down to fold my family's clothes, I would be grateful for each thing that I folded. And I would remember my boys in it. Like, oh, this is what they just wore outside. Or, oh, this is what he just wore to school. Or whatever, right? Now, obviously, you guys, sometimes I just fold the stupid laundry. But when I'm working to change my mindset from, I freaking hate laundry and I'm never going to get caught up. I'm about to throw everything away and start over. To being thankful that I have a washer and dryer. Thankful that my children have clothes that fit and are in season and that they have a mama who takes care of them. You guys, I do slow down for this. And so we talked about that kind of stuff. Like how can we get you to maybe not love the kitchen and the dishes, but how can we make this something that is more enjoyable for you? Okay, so maybe this season when he is working the way he is and she has a little more time during the day, maybe this is the season where she focuses more on the house than him. And that you guys know this ebbs and flows for Justin and I. Sometimes the house is more of a focus I take on. Sometimes Justin does it. It just whatever. This is the season they were in. But you guys, this. This right here is work. Right? Like they could have just kept having him come home from work. He could have kept saying everything's fine when clearly it wasn't. And she could have kept avoiding the kitchen (laughs) because not only did she not like to do it, but it also brought up some childhood issues, you know, um, that she had experienced. But instead, he had to learn to communicate why it was important that that area was clean. And she learned to communicate why it was something that she avoided. And to be honest, I think that she learned, you know, like I said, something about herself. And he learned that he actually, you know, he really loved having an uncluttered and clean home. And that was something that really made him less stressed. And so, you guys, we actually went into another conversation about decluttering and all kinds of stuff. And, um, you know, he was talking about, I think I'm going to go through stuff and possibly declutter some stuff. Um, there was a, so Ali Casaza, she's been on this podcast. She's a decluttering like master. It's where I really had and learned a love for decluttering and getting rid of crap. But she, when I first found her, there was this, it's this free, I don't even know what to call it, class recording. It's called She is Intentional. And it's what got me fired up about throwing crap away because I was so darn stressed. My house was just so messy all the time. And I didn't realize it was a thing problem, the amount, like the excess that was in my home. And so if you have not listened to that, or you do not know her, I would run quickly over to her and learn as much as you can from her because she has just lightened my load as a mother so, 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 so much. So anyways, they both kind of agreed that having, you know, a more uncluttered, home or whatever would be good for them both. And so they both admitted their faults, I guess you could say, and came up with a game plan to move closer to a cleaner, stress-free home 
But here's the deal, you guys. He had to be willing to state his expectations or why was he, you know, so daggone stressed when he walked in the door? He can't just say, I'm fine. He can't just say nothing. Because clearly it's something, right? And you guys, this was very sincere when he was telling her, like, hey, <laughs> the daggone kitchen is stressing me out. Like, I can't tell you how hard this was for him to get out. Like, for him to verbally tell her that the kitchen was the issue when he was walking through the door. Because he didn't want to come off like he expected perfection of her, right? He didn't want to come off like he didn't know that she worked also or... And, and the other thing is that he owned the fact that it was also his own mess, you know, but it doesn't matter. Like some, it, it's still a stressor period. And this is really important, I think. And I don't want to skip past this because sometimes we don't want to say something because we know the other person is trying and we know the other person is working hard also. Like he saw the rest of the house clean you know, but he knew it was the daggone kitchen because it was the focal point of the home that he walked into and it stressed him out kind of immediately. So he wasn't really asking or wanting or needing her to do more. He just wanted her focus to shift from the rest of the house to the kitchen. And he struggled to say this because again, part of it was his crap. Second, he didn't want to come off ungrateful for what she was doing. So he just didn't say anything for a while, right? Until this conversation became a safe place for him to say this. Because, I don't know, for whatever reason, we were just opening up this night. And, you know, she needed to be able to hear what he was saying. She needed to be able to hear that his heart was to go on, you know, the walks with her that she wanted to go on and spend time with her. But he just could not fully relax with the kitchen a mess. So he would come home and clean for an hour before they would be able to go do that stuff. And so it would be easy for her to become really defensive. Like, well, the rest of the freaking house is clean or, you know, I'm working too or whatever. And that's all fine. And it's all true. But we have to, I don't even know what the word is. Sometimes we just have to let our guard down or our defense down and really just hear what our person is saying. You know, we all have good intentions. We all try to do what we think is best, but we need to be able to hear what our spouse, best friend, whatever is saying to us, right? And so it's hard. It's hard to say the thing that needs said when you love the other person and kind of fear that they think you're going to think they're, you know, being ungrateful or having too high expectations. And it's hard to hear, right? It is hard to hear what your spouse or significant other has to say when they're asking for you to change. That is never easy. And sometimes you guys, it's an easy fix, but not always. And then he also had to hear why she was so avoidant of that area and be aware and sensitive to that as well. But these are the seemingly little things that can start to build, you know, resentment, unmet expectations, or a case of, you know, he, she should just, you know, know what I need or know that that's stressful or whatever else. And that is what starts to build up walls in a relationship. 
And here's the other challenge. We're going to get, we're going to flip this and start talking about things we can do about it. But here's the other challenge. We kind of talked about this earlier when we realized that her experience and memories of a cleaning was not just a neutral dislike, but was a pretty profound hate <laughs> that was pretty rooted in her childhood. And you guys, I'm, I'm just saying this to prove the point and to kind of drive the point home. There were tears, not tears of like being offended to change, tears of when we started to talk about childhood memories and childhood experiences. Like it hit a nerve, you know? Like it had nothing to do necessarily with the conversation, but it, it was it was really interesting in these conversations. This is why I love deep conversations so much because we don't go there. We don't go to those unconscious things. We don't go to those memories that we have forgotten. And when we do, it can be really, really healing and powerful. Um, and so we, we went there. <laughs> we went there in this conversation. Now, that is her story and their story. But this is what makes relationships hard. And, you know, it's often joked, joked about that a marriage is made up between a husband that, that has to sleep with the window open and a wife that can only sleep with it shut. <laughs> and it's kind of lighthearted, but it's true. Like one person may have grown up in a home where there was always yelling. And so they don't yell. And they actually get really, really freaking triggered and or turned off completely by someone yelling. But maybe the other person grew up in a house where everyone yelled and that's all they know to do. Like that is their default. Or maybe one person grew up in a house where dinner was at 6 p.m. around the table, you know, come hell or high water. And the other one grew up where everyone just grabbed their dinner and found a place on the couch to watch a favorite show. I mean, it goes from dinner to house expectations to the way we argue to raising kids and so on and so forth. And to top that off, you guys, people change. <laughs> one year they may be okay with living in a mess because that's the season they're in and the next they're not or they are fine with dinner and a show on the couch before y'all had kids and now someone values dinner around the table just like we talked about there are seasons right the season that they were in right now makes sense that she might take on a little more of the house but in six months it very well could change and so you know you can't just put a stake in the ground and say this is how it is because you have to change you have to ebb and flow with one another. So what the heck are we to do? Because the truth is, is that these differences are what makes each of us unique and often are fairly minor and can be worked through even if some cause a little more tension than others. And you guys, then there's just that sacred place of each other that you guys get to experience through this. You know, you get to see the vulnerable. You get to show love and compassion and grace. You get to see your person become a better version of themselves. And you get to navigate this life with your best friend. And all of that is worth taking the time and the energy to figure this out. And not to be like annoyingly cliche, <laughs> but a diamond is only made once it's under intense heat and pressure, then it can bond and create the crystals to cre that will ultimately create the diamond, okay? Notice that it's under intense heat and pressure first, then it can bond to create the crystals that ultimately create the diamond. You know, and it's not under a freaking wildfire, of abuse and control. It's under the right kind of pressure and heat. It's under love and compassion and grace. And the Bible actually says in Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, 
And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. That is exactly what this conversation, you guys, was. We were sitting there around a table talking, spurring one another on. And I always love this verse because to me, I feel like people think it just means encourage one another. Spur one another on. You guys, a spur is a metal tool designed to be worn in pairs on the heels of riding boots. Okay, think cowboy, cowgirl. For the purpose of directing a horse or other animal to move forward while riding. Right? It's a little wheel looking thing on the back of the boots. To kick, or I don't know, there might be a different term, (laughs) formal term for this. Your horse, as you are riding it. It's supposed to be a little bit of a jolt. (laughs) We all need a little kick in the butt, right? In love every once in a while because our ways are not serving us. Good Lord, we love to be not complacent, but we love to be comfortable. And so when you are in a relationship, what is hard about that relationship is that you are staring someone else in the eyeballs that is expecting more of you day in and day out and not perfection, right? Not anything more than what you can give at that season. Like when I am sleeping through the night and whatever, like I can give a whole freaking lot. When I got a newborn and I ain't sleeping, I got a baby on a boob and I got four kids running around, like don't even ask me to cook, (laughs) right? Like there's different expectations in different seasons. Now, you guys, good news. Good news is I have a seven step framework to work through minor and major disagreements that I want you to steal and see if it works for you. And the other good news, you guys, I already made an entire episode on this. It's titled How to Be a United Front in Marriage When You Don't Always Agree. It is episode 12 of this podcast. It is linked in the show notes. And I really encourage you guys to go listen to that episode because it is literally seven steps that we go through to help solve our disagreements on big and small things. But for now, I'm just going to do like a really quick list of those steps so that you guys aren't here for four hours listening to me. I know I got time for that. Okay. Sidebar. I talked about this a little bit in the beginning, but if you do not know Justin and I, we started dating when I was a new 16 year old and he was 19 and it has been 15 years now. And we are super, super competitive. Like I had said, you know, both the firstborn. <laughs> I'm a three on the Enneagram. I think he might be an eight, possibly a three. I haven't, we haven't decided yet. Um, and there's that other whole episode. It's called Competition in Marriage because we really struggled with that, you guys. And then we really saw that starting to come out in our boys and we absolutely hated it. So both of those episodes are linked in the show notes. I suggest you go and listen to those if you want to hear about our um ridiculousness in our marriage (laughs) and more examples. But here is the seven step framework that we have built over the years. And it's not perfect, but it really does work most of the time for people who are in loving, committed, well-intentioned, good-hearted relationships, not abuse or in some kind of crazy controlled relationship. Okay. And you guys are both working towards the same goal. Here's the seven steps. Number one, You specifically, you, not your spouse, identify, well, they need to too, identify your major stressors, your major, major stressors. What is really important to you 
versus what is really just a personal preference. It is really important to me that all of your butts are sitting here at the kitchen table at six o'clock because I want to have dinner as a family because either you did that as a kid and loved it or you maybe you never had that and that's what you want. This is the hill I'm going to die on. However, I would prefer if the kids went to bed at eight o'clock, they get to bed at 830. You know, it is what it is. Okay, so what is really important to you and what is just personal preference? Number two, kind of a perfect segue, you figure out what hills you really want to die on. We all have probably, you know, a couple hills that we want to die on, but it should not be absolutely everything. That's annoying on both ends. You cannot micromanage everyone <laughs> or everything. Um, and that leaves zero room for your spouse to have a, his hill to die on or her hill to die on. Okay. So pick your things, one to three things that you're like, nope, this is my thing. We're doing this. Let the rest go within reason. Number three, assuming you trust each other's judgment on most things, think about who really should have the most say in making a decision. For example, I am a teacher. So Justin and I talk, of course, but he defers to me on our kids' education. So we decided to homeschool our children this year. I felt equipped to do that. He um, is okay with homeschooling, probably would prefer if they were in public school just because we, we have a lot going on. But he was like, all right, that kind of falls on you anyways. You know, he's working full time. So that's fine. He deferred to me. He said, fine, he might prefer it a different way, but he trusts my judgment, okay? Plus, he knows that we both want a good education for our kids. And so it would not be fair for him to really, really, really push on us homeschooling our kids because he was not going to be the one responsible for it, right? Like, he's going to be working full-time. It's going to fall completely on my shoulder. So if I was really, really against it, for him to completely push that would not really be fair. And you guys, I give a ton of examples through about all of these steps in that episode I talked about. So go check that out if you guys want a little bit more. Number four, if you're still not finding a solution, you need to bring some evidence to the table, okay? Are you arguing over screen time for the kids or dinner at the table or the time your kids spend outside or maybe how busy they are hopping from sport to sport? One of you guys hate that. One of you love it. I don't know. Do some research, and find some kind of study on the effects of the brain with tons of screen time or dinner at the table, whatever. Typically, you guys, we all want what's best for our little ones. And sometimes we don't realize the effects that certain things have. Sometimes we don't realize how much screens really can affect our kids at such a young age. And so having some kind of evidence may or may not sway the other person. Okay. Number five, take baby steps towards one another. If your kids are watching five hours of screens a day and one of you guys wish it was only 30 minutes and the other one maybe uses that much screen time because they're trying to work during the day and you guys don't have childcare, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, whatever. Sometimes we're in survival survival mode. But you both really do see like it probably, that probably is a lot. So don't make it 30 minutes or there's a freaking fight. Go down to like four hours first and work to help your kids play independently during that extra hour and then go down to three and a half and so on and so forth. So it's okay to have a conversation and then have a goal to reach. 
And that goal does not have to be met the very next day or right after that conversation. Okay, you're right. Kids are watching too much TV. I really am using it as a crutch, but really I am trying to get a lot done. I'm working. We don't have a sitter. Da, 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 da. But I agree. It's not good for them. Let's figure out a way we can, um, you know, make that less and less. And then understand that sometimes there's no screen time because you're out and about and playing and at football games and other days it's a complete ish show and they watch it all day because someone is sick, right? So we're going to work towards a middle ground with some grace. Number six, sometimes we're just too daggone stubborn and we're not willing to budge. And if this is the case, then y'all, you just have to lead by example. Start with, you know, I think I used this example in the other episode, eating healthier and being consistent in the gym. And then your spouse will probably notice, you know, I don't know how much better you feel, how much more energy you have or whatever. I know that when Justin starts working out consistently and or choosing, you know, healthier meals, it still motivates me. Even if my butt doesn't get up off the couch that day, I still see him doing it. And it's still, it's this, especially when it's your person, right? There's still this inner pull when you know, I probably should be doing working out more than once every six months. You know, there's this inner pull to also make yourself better. And so by leading by example, that could help spur the other person on. And number seven, lastly, I will always recommend and be pro marriage counseling. Like we talked about earlier, usually we aren't just stubborn and unwilling to budge and are just trying to be difficult. Usually, you guys, the way we act and react and live is a result of our childhood and some other experience and or, you know, some other experience that we might have forgotten about or we don't realize it's such a driving force to the actions that we're making. And therapy can just open that window, right? And listen, being transparent with other people, like that's how this conversation came about. I'm telling you, it was a five-hour conversation and we got deep. I mean, there were tears. (laughs) There were, and again, not tears like offended tears, tears like healing tears. And that only happens when you're sitting around a table or, you know, wherever with someone else that you trust, another couple, another whatever. And listen, that does not take place of therapy. Again, there's a difference between venting and having a conversation and meeting with a therapist who can provide a plan for trauma um, to fix that, right? So, but there is healing in being transparent with other people and with other couples because it is hard. And oftentimes when we have people in our life who love our marriages as much as we do, ish, you know, they can breathe life into us and they can help uh, see, and I kept I kept wondering during this conversation that I shared with you earlier, I kept wondering if this conversation happened behind closed doors without, you know, us present, would it have ended the way that it did? Or would there have been more offense taken, um, walls put up? Would there have been screaming? Would there have been feelings that were hurt? Would there have been X, Y, and Z? But sometimes in the presence of others, when we are able to point something out in love, right, there was, there was a calmness, there was an understanding, there was just a different tone in that conversation. And it was seriously a privilege to be a part of. So you guys, those are the seven steps. And no, (laughs) 
we do not go down them like a freaking checklist in our marriage. Good Lord. It's just something that's kind of formed over the years that have seemed to seem to work for us. And so make sure you guys head over and listen to those episodes for some more elaboration on each of those steps and some examples from our marriage for you. All right, guys, I hope this episode encouraged you and helped you see that you are not alone as you are working towards just a better relationship, you know, and it's hard. It's hard if if you grew up with great parents, you know, and it had that had a good marriage, it's hard because that's your example. It's also hard when you didn't have that because you don't know what the heck you're doing. So, you know, we all feel it. Justin and I are in the arena with you, as Brene Brown says. We're all trying to do the hard work. So my hope today is that you go into your relationship today and work to outlove, outgive, and outserve one another. And I look forward to walking with you to help you find your grit while completely covering you in grace.